SBS Radio. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 16th of December 2021. Later, a quick look at the government's mid-year economic and financial outlook, but first to Australia's jobless rate, which fell more than expected by 0.6% to 4.6%. That is a near-decade low and a record 366,000 jobs were created in the month. So for more, I spoke earlier with Carlos Cacho. He's the Chief Economist at Jardin. Today's jobs report was, um, in one word, pretty phenomenal. Um, It was a surprise to the upside. The market had been expecting a a strong result, about 200,000 jobs. Instead, we got almost 370,000 jobs. And essentially, in a single month, we erased... Uh, all of the damage that lockdowns and Delta had done to the labour market. Where did this strength come from? Really, it's just been people going back to work. Uh, What we've seen through this period of lockdowns is that there are a lot of people who didn't meet the ABS's activity tests, so they weren't actually working, but they considered themselves to be attached to their employer. Essentially, they still thought they had a job to go back to. And what we've seen in November is that um, as restrictions have been eased and they've been able to go back to work, they have. And so you've essentially just had a lot of people who weren't able to work now being able to, uh, driving a very strong recovery in the labour market. Okay. What does this say, though, about the future, namely the skill shortage? Because I think we heard from the National Skills Commission a few weeks ago saying there's a couple of hundred of thousands of jobs there advertised waiting to be filled, and as a result, the potential for substantial wages growth. Yeah, look, it it still suggests that there's a lot of pressure on on the labour market. If we look at indicators like job vacancies or advertisements, they're at record levels. If we look at business hiring intentions, they're also very elevated. Um, And if you talk to businesses on the ground, they're certainly struggling to hire workers, uh, particularly in areas like hospitality, um, where there are about, I think, uh, 90 to 100,000 job vacancies across the sector. Um, the other thing we got today was actually the population data for, for the FY21 year. And what we saw is that migration was a net negative, almost 90,000. A lot of those people leaving would have been working age, um, would have been part of the working age population. We've seen a lot of residents or people who previously had been temporary residents in Australia leave. And that's meant there's actually, even though we've got this very strong jobs growth, we've actually lost um, some labour over the last year, which has made it even tighter than it would be otherwise. In terms of where the labour market is going, where do you see the unemployment rate tracking now? Well, we're expecting the unemployment rate's probably going to fall towards about 4% by the end of next year um, and probably go into the high threes in 2023. So we're certainly expecting a pretty solid uh, recovery there. If we see the current pace of jobs growth continue, then of course, it's going to be a lot lower if we if we were to see anything near a repeat of November's numbers, which I think probably gave uh, you know the labour market a recovery that the people were expecting to take at least three or four months uh, in the space of a single month. Okay, so the Reserve Bank wants to see the unemployment rate fall, but it wants to see inflation, underlying inflation, sustainably between that 2 to 3% target band, but at the same time it wants to see wages growth. With all of that uh, in mind, what do you think the RBA will now do when it comes to monetary policy and quantitative easing? Look, I think they've, they've ticked two of the boxes now. We've got 
um, inflation for trim to mean, which is the preferred measure within the target band. They'd like to see it a little bit higher. It's probably going to get there over the next six to 12 months. Unemployment rate is back to 4.6%. It's probably going lower to 4% over the next year. So they'd be happy with those two. Wages is still the missing piece of the puzzle. We're still seeing aggregate wages growth of only a little over 2%. We heard from the governor today and they're, they're still really watching that as their key indicator. Our expectation is we do see wages growth pick up towards 3% uh, towards the end of next year, but it's going to take a little while. While there is a lot of pressure on wages at the margin, um, I'm hearing about hospitality wages rising by 5%, construction wages rising by 10 to 15%. Um, it's really for the marginal worker at the moment. You're not seeing those spread across the entire labour force just yet. So it's going to take a little while for that to percolate through the economy. So what does that mean about the potential for interest rates to rise a lot sooner than expected? And will the, will the RBA pull QE earlier? Look, I think, I think today what today's data tells you is probably the risk of the RBA ending QE in February um, has increased. The governor told us today that their base case is consistent with QE ending in May. What we saw today is that uh, the unemployment rate has fallen ahead of their expectations, and so the risk is they could end that in February. For interest rates, though, our expectation is still that they'll they'll be on hold until 2023. I think it's going to take until the end of 22 before they see the wage growth they want to see, and so that's still ahead of their guidance, but it's uh, it's a fair bit behind what the market's currently pricing. Carlos Kacha there from Jardin. Now to the Australian share market, which fell today, uh, 0.4%. It comes uh, amid the US Federal Reserve board meeting overnight where it discussed uh, where interest rates are going and the potential to pull back QE. And also today, the government released its mid-year economic and fiscal outlook, a modest $7 billion improvement in the budget deficit, uh, trimmed from about $107 billion in May to 99.2 in December. So for more on all of that, I spoke earlier with Shane Oliver. He's the Chief Economist at AMP Capital. Look, the economic assumptions seem reasonable. They've uh, had to revise down their growth forecast for this year because of the lockdowns, but they've revised up next year quite substantially. So net-net, they've actually revised up. They're looking at a brighter economic outlook, more revenue coming into Canberra, and that's good news for the budget. But the reality was the budget deficit was only revised down very fractionally because of an increase in spending. Obviously, the COVID emergency payments, but also, of course, spending in subsequent years probably to be unveiled ahead of the next election. Is there any wriggle room if COVID becomes a serious issue, though, especially when it comes to budgets and that, those forecasts? Look, I, I think there is some wiggle room. The budget deficit is well down from where it was a year or so ago. Uh, we've also seen the most recent period, the government has forked out about $25 billion in extra COVID payments to uh, New South Wales and Victoria in particular, and yet the budget deficit still managing to come in less than expected. So I think there is a bit of wiggle room in there if worse comes to worse and we do see another major outbreak necessitating more lockdowns. Okay, lots of economic news coming out today. We also saw the US Federal Reserve suggesting three interest rate rises there and pulling quantitative easing. How is this likely to impact investments and the share market? Well, people normally think that higher interest rates are bad for the share market, but you've got to allow that uh, monetary tightening um, only occurs because things are getting better. So what the Fed is telling us is that the economic recovery in the US is on track. There are risks around Omicron. There's also risks around inflation. But 
adding all those things up, the Fed decides, well, the best thing to do is to gradually or speed up the pace at which they're stopping bond buying or slowing bond buying. And that also brings forward the timing of future interest rate hikes, possibly to the June quarter next year. But the bottom line historically has been that the first few interest rate hikes aren't bad for shares, aren't bad for investments because they coincide with economic recovery, with good economic growth, with good profits. It's only when the Fed and other central banks like the RBA aggressively raise interest rates into tight um, monetary policy that it starts to become a problem. And that's probably still a couple of years away before we get to that point. And speaking of the RBA, we saw today's labour market report, which I've already spoken about in detail. But how do you see this playing out with the Reserve Bank? Well, earlier today, a Reserve Bank governor told us that he doesn't see an interest rate hike in 2022 on their central forecasts. But the jobs figures were far stronger than anyone was assuming. We saw 366,000 new jobs created in November. Of course, that took us to a record level for employment, making up for the losses through the lockdowns. So that's going to put more pressure on the Reserve Bank. I think ultimately it means the Reserve Bank will end up raising interest rates probably in November of next year, still almost a year away, but I think that's what they'll end up doing, starting to raise interest rates at the end of 2022. Uh, obviously, they're going to move gradually at first, but the reality is the jobs market is improving a lot stronger than they're assuming. Shane Oliver there from AMP Capital. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.